I'm excited about being here today and even more so than normal because of that word that was given a few minutes ago, that message in tongues and interpretation, which, by the way, was very scriptural, decent and in order and was encouraging and exciting to me because what it did was confirm uh, what the Lord is going to do. And for some of you, the reason I said I'm so excited is because you are getting the same word twice today, which means that the Lord wants to speak to you. That's why I'm excited for you, because he has uh, deemed it necessary for you to hear pretty much the same thing twice this morning in this service, which says to me that you needed to hear it and that the Lord is going to do something specifically amazing in some of your lives today. That's fun. I love being a part of a spirit-filled church. I think it's awesome that the church exists. Any church that, that teaches about the blood of Jesus and points people to Christ is a, is a great thing, and I pray for all those churches. But there's something special about being a part of a spirit-filled church. That church that says we are going to allow God to do whatever he wants to do, regardless of our agenda. And we believe deeply in the gifts and the fruit of the spirit. And they do not cease until the resurrection. Somebody say amen. And I'm very thankful to be in a place where that the Holy Spirit knows he can just kind of walk around and he can sit wherever he wants and he can grab a mic if he needs to and he can do whatever he wants to do because this is his service, not ours, as he leads us to Jesus. And so I'm very thankful for that. We're in a series started last week. If you weren't here last week, I'll encourage you to to uh, get online and and listen to that message when you get a chance. But we started a series called Jonah and last week we talked about a most expensive trip. Today we're going to talk about how the cost is paid. And the text is found in Jonah chapter 1 verse 3. The second part of that verse. It's a short text. A longer message. But the text sums up the necessity of the message. In his life and in ours. It says that he being Jonah wanted to go to Tarshish to get away from the Lord. He wanted to go to Tarshish to get away from the Lord. Last week, I won't preach it again, but these were the points. Last week, we learned that the Lord spoke his word to Jonah, and we talked about how God speaks. Then we learned that Jonah immediately tried to run, so we talked about why it is that people run. And then we talked about how that he paid for the trip and we talked about what it costs us when we run. So all of that again is on last week's message. The gist of that being don't run. That's the gist of it. Now, that's easier said than done because even after last week, some of you who needed to hear last week and need to hear this week may still be in the process of trying to 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 deal with last week. And that's what I prayed for. I prayed that we would that the Lord would communicate that word and then we would just chew on it, digest it and deal with it all week long. And so here we are again talking about how the cost now is paid. We know that there's a cost when we run. How is it that God exacts that price from us when we knowingly disobey and run from him? There's three sentences that are found in chapters 1 and 2 that describe what God did in Jonah's circumstance. 
three sentences talk about how he exacts that price. I want you to understand something about God. God is a sender. Did you know that? God sends blessings, huh? And he sends promise, and he sends rain, and he sends all the good things, doesn't he? God sends all kinds of good things to people who are obedient. But you need to understand something about God. He doesn't just send those things. He sends something to people who are disobedient to him as well. That's not fun to hear, but it's true. And I'm going to show you what God sent on account of, uh, of love, not out of hate, but out of love for Jonah. There's something that we need to understand. God's love will either bathe you in blessings or hound you in curses depending on what you need. It's quiet. We don't like that one. His love will either bathe you in blessings or hound you in curses, depending on what it is that you need. I said his love will do that. Not his hatred, not anger, not wrath. But God in his love will send something to you Whatever he needs to send to you in love to get you where he knows you have to be. God is a sender. He sent three things. I want you to get your pen. Wherever you're taking notes and write this down. The first thing that God sent is found in verse 4. The Bible says that God sent a violent storm. That's right. God did this. Notice something with me about this. God didn't just allow this. A lot of the things that happen in our life, God allows. The story of Job, a lot of our storms, a lot of the things we've been through, God allowed them for a reason. But I want you to notice the difference in that and this statement. God sent this storm. Didn't just allow it. He created this storm, and it's a violent storm. And the reason that I say this is because it looks to me as if this storm was out of season. And you say, well, how do you know that? You don't live there. Well, here's what I do know, that people are pretty smart wherever you go in the world, and they have been for a long time. And I know that those sailors who were used to sailing those waters would not have been out in that water if they'd known a storm like this was coming. And this was not the time of year that they got this kind of a storm. This was an out-of-season storm. They weren't idiots. Have you ever experienced a storm in your life that just seemed out of season? You're like, where did that come from, huh? A situation that just just comes upon you from nowhere. You're, I mean, you're just, the, the sky is blue. The sun is shining. You're rolling through life. Man, you're blessing the Lord. You're having a great time. And bam, a storm comes out of nowhere. It is a storm that has come out of season. It's not a mistake. This might not just be a storm that God has allowed. It's not a freak situation. It might be a storm that God has specifically, out of love, sent you. Mm. 
This was a powerful, attention-getting, impossible-to-ignore storm. Anybody ever been in one of those? That's how God does it. And sometimes these storms can be so terrible that it looks as if the ship is actually going to dismantle. You, you know, you could be, you, you can be just, you know, oh my lands, what are we going to do? This is crazy. This storm is, it's, it's so violent. The storm, I don't even know if the ship's going to hold together. The thing looks like, it looks like it's all going to fall apart. What are we going to do? That kind of a storm. Even these calloused and weathered sailors were afraid and they began crying out to their idols for help. They start throwing over the cargo. I mean, these guys were on a journey for a reason. They were hauling cargo somewhere to get paid. And the very thing that was going to get them paid, they start throwing it over the sides because they're so afraid that they're going to die. Here's something interesting to note. While they're doing this, Jonah is asleep. I can't go into it again for lack of time on why it was that Jonah didn't want to go and preach that message. But he felt so good about himself at this point not going. He felt so relieved in not going to do God's will that he could sleep through a violent storm. Isn't that crazy? He's so relieved that he doesn't have to do what God said that he could lay down and have more peace in a storm than to be in God's will. Some of you have tried to make your life be just like that. I'll deal with the storm, Lord. I'll try to sleep right through it because I don't want to do what you're trying to get my attention to do. So I'm just going to lay down somewhere and let life go on by. I'm going to try to ignore this thing. I can have flat tires and the roof can fall off the house and all the kids can be sick and I can lose my job and everything in the world can go wrong and I'm just going to keep sleeping because I don't want to acknowledge that you're trying to get my attention. Hmm. The captain finds him and he says, get up, man, get up. We're about to die here. Start praying to your God. Do something, guy. And the scripture said the sailors have left the crying and the praying. They've started throwing dice now. They, they were throwing the cargo a while ago. They've dumped it. This thing still hadn't stopped. So now they're throwing dice, which is an ancient way of trying to figure out how the lots fell. We're trying to decide who started this. And they're starting to cast the dice and trying to figure out who is the problem. And it lands on Jonah. They say, who are you? What have you done to cause this? Jonah owns up. Look at it. He says, I'm a Hebrew. I'm God-fearing. I'm God-worshiping. Well, now they're really afraid because they recognize that, that God's Jonah is real. You can't doubt that. I mean, you can't. You, you, there's no way you can ignore the fact that Jonah's God is real. He's a lot more powerful than their gods that they've been praying to that couldn't stop the storm. And so they're really afraid now. And look at what they start doing. They start saying, how can we fix this? Have you ever had people in your life around you in the midst of your storm that seemed like they were more anxious to fix this than you were? You ever noticed that? 
You say, well, yeah, but that didn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me that all these people are trying to help me. They're trying to help me because they love me. Well, let me tell you something. They're trying to help you because they love you, but that may not be the primary reason why they're trying to help you. The main reason why they're trying to help you in your storm is because your storm is rocking their boat too. And when you decide you don't want to do right, they're stuck next to you. So their water's troubled. Their boat is rocking. Their skies are black. Lightning's hitting all around them too. They're praying to get this thing straight because they want this stuff to ease up on themselves. They want things right for you so they'll get better for them. Throw me overboard, he says. You're going to have to or the storm isn't going to end. But these guys aren't, they're not heartless heathen. These guys were religious. They were just wrong in their devotion to false gods. But they, these weren't heartless individuals and they don't want to kill him. So you know what they did? They just tried harder to bring the boat to shore. Those people around you, they just keep trying harder. There you are in all of your rebellion, disobedience, yet somebody's praying more than you are for you. Somebody's seeking God more than you are for yourself. Somebody's praying, oh God, would you open up his eyes? Would you open up her eyes? Would you help them figure this thing out? We're just, and then fixers in our life. You know, we all have them. Deb's the fixer in our family I'm thankful for. But the fixers are working overtime, trying to get the storm settled down, watching the weather, the weather channel, trying to make sure that everybody don't get out on the water. Guess what? It's not doing any good. We can't settle this storm. We can't fix this. We can't stop this. We can't change this. Why is it that we can't? All of us are in the boat. Everybody's in the boat. We're being rocked unmercifully. We're scared and we can't sleep. And we're troubled. And Jonah's the only problem for all of this. And he don't even care. And the rest of us think we're going to die. And how we wish this storm would end. And we're praying and we're fasting. Aren't we? You praying for somebody that's in a storm? We're praying and we're fasting. Oh God, let the storm end in their life. And God's like, I'm not going to let the storm end in their life. Or in yours, it's keeping you praying and it's getting them where I want them to get. I'm the one started this storm. This storm's not going to stop until they do what I want them to do. And you can't fix it for them. And you can't change it. And you can't pray me to stop it. Hmm. Verse 14 says, they've gone from fear to prayer to idols to casting dice to asking questions to working harder to now in verse 14, praying to Jehovah. The heathen have started praying to Jonah's God. I think they're getting saved right here. I think that God saved them. They're praying. Look at their prayer. Lord, have your will and have your way. And so as a last option, they throw Jonah overboard and immediately the sea becomes calm. 
The scripture said they're so terrified of God, they begin offering sacrifices and making vows. I'm thinking they've gotten saved. See, God will save people through you, whether you're obedient to him or not. Did you know that? God will use you with or without your consent. Difference is you just won't enjoy the ministry. God will still be God and he'll still do what he does all around you, through you, with you, using you. You just be miserable the whole time he's doing it if your heart is not right with him. You won't enjoy working for God if your heart isn't right. And when you run, there is nobody that can help you. Some of you that are in the storm and you've been trying to get folks to pray. Pray for me. Basically what you're saying is pray for me that this will stop. Because I don't want to do what God is telling me to do. Pray for me that this will ease up. Pray for me that this stress and pressure will go away. Pray for me that I'll start sleeping again. But the best sailors can't help you. Preachers can't help you. Counselors can't help you. Even prison guards can't help you if it gets to that. You have to stop running and come home before the storm is going to let up. God sent this storm. So secondly, it said, then God sent a big fish. Verse 17, it came to swallow him three days, three nights. What was it like? Chapter two tells the story. I talked a little bit about that last week. I'm not going to say a whole lot about it today. But what I noticed about this is the prayer. You ever noticed the most urgent prayers are prayed in the strangest places? Some of my most urgent and fervent prayers have been prayed on roller coasters. Right when we're getting to the top. Click, 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 click. And you see the crest, and you're like, Lord, if there's anything in my heart that isn't right with you. In airplanes, when the pilot says, um, you may have seen the lightning over to the right side of the plane. Seems to be the cause of the turbulence we're experiencing right now. We're going to try to fly around this storm. You ever been on that plane? Yeah, I have. We pray the most urgent prayers in the strangest places. There's an old story. You probably heard it, but about the little boy that was, for some reason, he was playing up on the roof of his house and he slipped and he fell and he's sliding down the shingles and he sees the edge of the roof coming and he starts praying. This is a long way to the ground when you're that size and he starts praying and suddenly he just stops right at the edge. He can peer over, but he is stopped and he looks to see what has ended his ride and he discovers that there was a nail that just happened to be sticking up out of the roof that snagged his pants as he was going over it and stopped him just in the nick of time. And so he adjusted his prayer at that point and he said, never mind, God, don't need you after all. Looks like I got it covered myself. Isn't that just like us? We a lot of times take credit for the nails that happen to show up on the roof 
that shouldn't be there, weren't there, couldn't be there. But as soon as the nail is there, oh, I got, I got it. I got it. Which is why I think God doesn't let us off so easily in the storm. It's why God goes ahead and sends the fish. You say, well, the storm should have been enough. I mean, the storm should have got it. Well, apparently it didn't. He's still rebellious and bitter going in the water. I wouldn't have had to go that far. I promise you. They got me up on the edge. Of my head. Hey, 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 Time out, time out. That's it. I'm ready to break. I'm ready. Not Jonah. You'll have to throw me overboard and go ahead. Because I'm still not going to do what God said. So in the water he goes, and God sends a big fish. He sent a storm. He sent a big fish. You know why fish eat crawdads backwards? So that they can't pinch their stomach when they get in there. Did you know that? So here's Jonah in the fish's gut. And he's been swallowed whole or else he'd be dead. He didn't get chewed up. It's a big fish. He's been swallowed whole like a crawdad, I suppose. So he can't fight back. Three days and three nights. For those of you that have been in a violent storm, if you continue to be rebellious, you just think it can't get lower. You just think it can't get worse. You just think you can't go down further. Jonah said, this is as bad as it gets. I'm ready to die for this decision. God says, well, I'm not ready to kill you yet, but I can take you further down than what you thought rock bottom was. We all have that idea of rock bottom. God knows a rock bottom that you don't know anything about. Your rock bottom takes place on the land. God's rock bottom can take you to the bottom of the ocean in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights. And if that's not enough, he could take you deeper than that. Well, it can't get any worse. You hear those people are angry and rebellious. Can't get no worse. I'm at the very bottom anyway. No, you're not. With that attitude, you're about to find it. You're about to see some depths you didn't think existed. How do you like your new house, Jonah? Has God sent you a place to dwell for a while? He's taking care of you. How long are you going to stay there? You're going to choose to be stupid. You're going to stay a long time. Here's a statement you need to understand. If you don't like where you're living, it may be time to get serious with God because your home is not going to change until your heart does. I don't like the way I'm living, Pastor. I can't help you. You can come and counsel with me all day long and I'm going to sit there and look at you like I do and you're going to walk away and go home and tell your wife, I don't know why I went and talked to him. That didn't do any good. You know what? Let me just save you some time and me some time. Can I do that? If you're in a storm, you're rebellious and running from the Lord, don't, counsel a, don't schedule a counseling session with me because I'm just going to sit there and look at you and I'm not going to let you off the hook because I didn't put you there. And you're going to walk away and say, he's the dumbest preacher I've ever seen. He, he's, he, didn't, he didn't give me nothing, didn't tell me nothing. He just sat there and looked at me. Something happens right here. 
Jonah started praying. He said, I cried in my distress. And God answered. He heard me. I was in the deep. Water was surrounding me. It was sweeping over me. I was banished from God's sight. There's nothing worse than being out of God's will, church. Nothing worse than finding yourself out of God's will. It's a miserable place. He continues, my life was threatened. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. I sank to the bottom as low as low could go. As my life was slipping away, keywords, I remembered. <laughs> How low do we have to go sometimes before it finally dawns on us? Oh, yeah. I should probably listen to God. What does he remember? He remembers God's goodness. He remembers God's mercy. He remembers God's love. I would say to you this morning, are you tired of being sick and broke and dejected and unfulfilled? If so, remember the Lord today. Jonah starts to pray. Even from the bottom of the ocean in a fish's belly, God hears him. God will hear you no matter how low you are. Jonah starts singing. He starts remembering. Look what he says. Man, this is key. This is key. This is the reason why the fish, not just the storm. Are you ready? He's reached a breaking point and he says, check this out. God, I will keep my vow. I'll go where you want. I'll do what you say. I'm sorry. I'm ready. I'm willing. And make and look at this acknowledgement. Victory belongs to you, God. We might as well realize that God always wins. Whether you get angry about that, whether you don't like it or not, whether that upsets you, you could be one of those people who runs off and says, I don't like what God did, I don't like the decision he made, I'm mad at God. You can be mad at God all day long. Bottom line is, God will win. And he's going to win with you too. It's just a matter of time. But if you're one of those people that's, that's ready to come back to the living, then number three is for you. Just before I give you three, understand this. I believe this is important to note. The storm didn't do it. The fish didn't do it for three days. Three days in a fish's gut. You're being digested by now. This is how bad this guy did not want to do what God asked him to do. He was to the point he would rather die than acquiesce. I'd just rather die. Just go ahead and take me. And I'm going to tell you something. I can't prove this theologically, but I really believe it. I think this may happen sometimes. Because God loves Jonah. There'd be some that would say, if Jonah died right now, he's going to hell. I, I, don't, I don't think that's the case. That's between him and the Lord. I don't, you know, I don't know the condition of his heart as far as that part is concerned. But I do believe this. We are on this planet for a purpose. If you rebel and will not do what God put you here to do, he will send a storm. He will send a fish. At some point in the fish, if it takes that, you decide, I would rather die than do it. God will let you go home. He'll 
a couple more days, it would have all been over. Pretty serious, huh? That God will eventually say, if you keep kicking against this, if you just flat refuse to do what I'm calling you to do or asking you to do, I will eventually give you what you want. I still love you. You're still my kid. You're you're my rebellious child. I love you. You get here, it's not going to be pretty. You're not going to stand up and I'm not going to praise you for being obedient and all the works that you did in my name and all the things. I. You're not going to get it. None of that's going to be yours. But I'll let you come on home. If Jonah had not have finally said, because a lot of us have said in the storm, okay, God, I'll do what you want. Just let it stop. And the storm kept on. And we was like, I don't understand why the storm keeps going. I prayed. And God's like, because I know you're lying. I know you're saying whatever you got to say to get this stopped. So I'm going to put you in a fish. And then when you get in the fish, at some point when you pray that prayer, I'm going to know if you're telling us, because we can fool each other. You could tell me, oh, oh, pastor, I'll never do that again. And I want to believe you. I'll be like, okay, man, I, I believe you. I trust you. I'm with you, praying for you. And God could be up in heaven saying, you know, D, you're an idiot, an idiot like they are because I know the condition of their heart. I know the intent of their heart. They are still not going to change. But God knows when you're going to change. He knows when. So he will let you go all the way to the bottom of the ocean in the belly of a fish and stay there for three days and three nights. And if he knows Jonah's going to change his mind, he might let him live there for two or three more days that way. But at some point, if Jonah just still refuses, God may give him his wish and say, okay, you didn't do what I sent you there to do. I'm bringing you on home. I'm not going to continue to waste oxygen on your life. Wow. So God sent one more thing to Jonah because Jonah truly repents. He says, I'll do it, and he means it. He says, I will keep my vow I promise I would do it. And so God sends one more thing. In verse 10 of chapter 2, God sends a message. Who does he send the message to? The fish. God sent a message. God spoke to the fish. That's what it says. Look it up. God can speak to any source he wants because he's over all of creation. Here's the good news to all of you that thinking, man, I'm in trouble. Here's the good news. Whatever has you bound has to turn loose when God speaks to it. Whatever fish has got you wrapped up backwards has got to turn loose when God speaks to it. He won't speak to it until you fully surrender. But when you are fully surrendered, God will speak to the fish. And immediately that fish got the worst case of food poisoning. Jonah didn't set well on his stomach after three days. He said he'd be swimming around the ocean for three days saying, I got something that's not sitting right in my stomach. I hadn't been able to digest. And it swam for the nearest bank. I said this last week, something to this extent. I know it sounds nasty, but it's true. Nobody has ever been so thankful to be puked as Jonah. Here's a guy laying on the bank in a pile of puke with seaweed around his head. And he's saying, I'm just glad to be here. 
Dude, you stink. Man, you're nasty. I don't care. I'm just glad to be here. I'm happy. I got a new attitude. I got a whole new lease on life. I can wash all this off of me, but I'm just happy to be here. Should have seen where I've been the last three days. This is good. Mm. I know we prayed last week. And I know this word has been chewing on us all week long. But I believe today is the day now that it's time to recognize who it is that's doing the sending in your life. You've been, in some cases, if God sent this storm, you've been binding the devil. The devil's just laughing. You've been binding the devil, telling him, get thee behind me, Satan. He's like, I'm always behind you. He said, it's not me doing this. God sent you that storm. Bind me all you want. (laughs) I'm laughing in your face. Some of us may be in the storm that God has sent. Some of us may be in the belly because the storm didn't work that God has sent. But if you're ready to come to the shore, God will send a message to your captor that he cannot ignore. And you can be free. Now here's what you're going to be free to do. Clean up and do what God said. You're not going to be free to go back. But you're going to be free to be obedient. Choose to be free. The cost of running is way too high. Come back to the point of the calling of God. Again, those some of you last week thought I was just talking about when I said the calling of God, people that were called to ministry. It is not just that. It's more than that. It's not just a calling to ministry. It's a calling to obedience. For some, it may be a, a, a response to, because if, in one of the cases, it was a call to ministry for Jonah, but it was also a call for him to stop being rebellious and for him to stop being disobedient. So that can happen in our lives in all kinds of ways. God said, I want you to help the family down the street. I'm not going to do it. I don't, I, they get what they deserve. That's the reason they're down there is because they do this and this and this. And God says, okay, but I'm going to use you to bless them anyway. And it's just a matter of time. Uh, you know, you want me to start garnishing your check? All right. We'll see if that works. That don't work. Okay. You're going to be sick a while. The health thing's not working. Let me see what I can do with your family. Not got your attention yet? Let me work on you psychologically. How, how, how low do you want to go? How deep do you want to get? Until you eventually say, God, I will go down the street and mow a lawn, or I, I, I will do a ministry, or I will start that job, or I will... Whatever it is, I'm ready to do it. I will do it. Then God can speak to the captor and you can be free. I want to pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. God, it's a tough word. I know that it is for us, for someone here today. I'm amazed at your love for us. In, just within the last hour, 
that you would speak a word to us twice because of your love. In hopes of keeping someone from the belly of the fish, you sent your word. I love you. Come to me. Give up. Surrender. Quit running. I pray, oh God, that you would give us the courage to stomp on our pride. Give us a brokenness in our spirit today. A willingness, Lord. For some of us, that means we have to turn loose of what we've been calling safety and security when really all we were hanging on to was the inside of a fish's belly. But we think it's been a refuge. Somebody's got to leave something today in order to go where you're telling them. Somebody's got to leave something. Somebody's having to leave I, I hesitate because I don't want people to run out and quit their jobs tomorrow. But I feel it in my spirit. Somebody's got to leave an, a, 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 not necessarily an ungodly situation, but they have to leave a current situation because you have something different for them, but they're just hanging on because of, 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 of safety and security of that. For someone else, it may be a relationship that they have to leave in order to fulfill their call. I'm reminded again, Lord, I, 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 it was in my heart a few minutes ago, but I'm reminded again of that verse, that promise that you made us in your word. It said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all the other things will be added unto you. Lord, remind us of that today because we... we we struggle so many times clinging desperately to things that we think are our salvation when really they're the hindrance to our future. Altars are open right now, folks. If that's your word. I'm, I don't need to call it out. I don't need to call the prayer team right now. They would pray with you, but right now what you need to do is you just need to get on your knees. An acknowledgement of the word today that is to you and to be able to walk down the aisle, get on your knees and shed a tear and say, God, I'm going to do just like Jonah. I surrender. I'll go. I'll do. You win. I'm sorry. Are you ready? Are you ready? Neil leads us in this song. Don't let this opportunity get away from you if that's supposed to be you, if that's your word today. If God is calling you to a surrender, a deeper place, another place, something different. I just want you to know in his love, that storm and that fish are not going to go away until, until you surrender. He's not going to send a message to the captor until you surrender. This isn't going to get better. This isn't going to change. 
And it has to be a heartfelt repentance. You've tried getting out of it lots of other ways. You're just flat going to have to do what God said. As Neil leads us, I want you to come to these altars and pray. There's several of you that need to respond to this word today. I hope that you will. Church, let's be praying. Let's pray all over this building. Pray for people to have the courage. If you see somebody coming and you want to, you can come down with them. They don't have to come by themselves. But I do feel like today's a day that we need to, we need to, we need to step up and walk out. We need to walk out. We need to show God we mean it. We need to show God that we don't care about our pride. We're not going to be rebellious anymore. We need to show God I'm, I'm, I'm stepping out. So I pray that you will during this song.